Welcome to the Eventualities Podcast, interesting conversations with the people behind our favourite regional festivals and events. We dive into the memorable experiences they create, the unexpected challenges they've overcome and what they've learned along the way. Cycling enthusiasts from across the country gather annually in Wagga Wagga, New South Wales on the October long weekend for what is fast becoming one of the premier cycling events. The annual Gears and Beers Festival is a community cycle challenge combined with a craft beer and cider festival. The event is conceived and run by the Rotary Club of Wollundjeri Wagga Wagga. I'm delighted to have Philip McIntosh with me today. Philip is Chairman of the Board of Directors and CEO of Commons Hendricks Proprietary Limited. He's the Vice President of the Wagga Wagga RSL Club, a member of the Institute of Company Directors, a past President of the Rotary Club of Wollundjeri Wagga Wagga and Chair of the Organising Committee of the Gears and Beers Festival. Philip was also a presenter at our very first regional events conference in 2016. He's joining me today to talk all about Gears and Beers. Welcome, Philip. Thank you, Belinda. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for your time. Now, we'll kick off. I'm going to ask you to tell us a little bit about the history of Gears and Beers. So when did it start? Why did it start? I guess it uh, goes back uh, to the year that I was president of Wollandry Rotary Club. We were looking for a fundraising opportunity, but it, it came about, I guess, um, just sitting on the veranda one afternoon, having a, a quiet beer with my son, and we sort of just watched Strada Bianchi the night before, and we were just talking about cycling in general. And that was when the concept or the idea sort of came up about, oh, why don't we try a cycling event in Wagga for Wollandry Rotary as a fundraiser, but let's put a different slant on it. Yeah, let's go gravel. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So what year was this? This was in 2014. Okay. So how long from that conversation with your son to the actual event? 10 weeks. Oh my goodness. So tell uh, me about the first event. (laughs) We went into the Rotary Club and just had a general chat about it at Rotary saying, look, we've come up with this concept and it appears on the calendar in Wagga, the October long weekend is open, which is only 10 weeks away why don't we have a crack at this? You know, we didn't put too much pressure on ourselves. We had no concept of what this was going to look like, Belinda, or what the the response was going to be like to it. I suppose just a bit of context around that, that Wollandry Rotary Club, it had about 60 or 70 members in it. So it was a whole heap of people who were really, really keen to do something anyway. So when we threw the concept out there, everyone was really enthusiastic about it and said, well, if you guys are prepared to have a crack. Yeah, we'll support you and let's let's have a go and just see what happens. As it turned out, I think we I think we ended up with about 360 riders, which, you know, by today's standards is pretty small, but they were mainly made up of local people and local cycle enthusiasts that sort of came out and supported the event. And yeah, we put it all together within 10 weeks, rang up a few Contacts that we knew in the uh, that were brewers, etc., and rang up a few foodies and said, "Hey, we want to throw on a bit of an uh, an event in the park. Do you want to come along? Would you support us first year? Can't tell you what it's going to be like. Can't tell you how many people are going to turn up, but trust us. Trust us. <laughs> <laughs> we're a rotary club. Trust us. <laughs> and look to their credit, they they did. So the local thirsty crow came along. The guys from up at Chimit River Brewing Company came up. I rang up Ben Krauss from down at Bridge Road Brewers. I went to school with his mum, rang him up and said, hey, you know, would you come up? And they came. They just came. And as it turned out, it 
just turned out to be this really casual, just really relaxing afternoon in the park after everyone had been for a ride. It was just wonderful. And so did you, you had 360 riders, which is still an amazing effort for a first year and, you know, 10 week lead time. How many did you have that turned up for the actual festival bit in the park? We would have had two and a half thousand people turned up to the <laughs> festival. And it's, it's really interesting because it's the October long weekend and everybody's been locked up for winter. And if you're lucky enough, Belinda, to crack a really nice day in Victory Memorial Gardens Park here in Wagga, it can be a really nice day. And it's a beautiful place to, to be, isn't it? Under the trees. It is. Great atmosphere. People were just kicking back on the grass, listening to some live music and having a, a few craft beers, et cetera, and something to eat. And it, yeah, it just, it just worked out to be wonderful. It was just a really good vibe. And I think, I think that was the important part about it. It was a really good vibe and community was at the heart of it. That's amazing. So were you, you and your son both sitting there that day? And thinking we're on to something, like let's let's build this. You were obviously only president at the Rotary Club for one year, but did you think this is something that I want to continue doing? Yes, I, I do believe that that happened straight away. Yeah, I do. After the I exhaustion. Just, it, was, yeah, <laughs> it was just seeing how much fun people had had. In, you know, in general terms, I guess when you run events, it's not so much about what you get out of it. It's about what you see other people get out of it and just seeing people so happy in the park and just relaxed and and having a really good time, I think that's enough feedback for you to say, hey, I think we're on to something here. Then I guess the conversation centred around, we needed to sit down and really have a serious discussion with ourselves about what we wanted this event to look like. We knew we were on to something and we just needed to refine what that something looked like. Yeah, that's amazing. So tell us where you're at today. Like what did the 2019 event look like? From a, a rider perspective that grew to 3,000 riders, registered riders in 2019, the Dirty 130, as it became known, which was the gravel ride that underpinned the whole thing, we had to cap that at 1,200 riders wow. um, to have – those 1,200 people out there on those dirt lanes at the same time. So we capped it at that and we sold that out in seriously no time. It, it just disappeared so quickly. So, yeah, 3,000-odd riders and then we would have had four and a half, five thousand 5,000 people at the festival in the park afterwards. That's an amazing achievement in not a very long period of time. So talk to us about the riding side of the festival. So you've touched on the Dirty 130, but how many different rides do you offer for the Gears and Beers event? We ended up with six different ride lengths, the Dirty 130 being the premier one that seriously attracted more serious riders. We also then tried to cater for road riders who hadn't quite taken the step to go onto the gravel because it is a big step. It, it doesn't necessarily require a different bike, but it does require a different mindset and, you know, a little bit more preparation. You get a lot, a lot of flat tyres right now. <laughs> um, but so we, we put on a 105k road ride as well. And then we needed something that was a stepping stone to get people up to those levels. So we also had a 50K road ride and a 30K road ride. And then it was really important to us again, like I said before, community is really at the centre of this. And it was really important that we put on something for the mums and dads that had children who were just coming to cycling, et cetera. 
So we put on a little 9K ride that was just around town, around the pathways around town and things like that. And that was just just to see all those kids on their bikes was just brilliant. And it is. Yeah, it's amazing. As we've said, I love standing out on Fitzmaurice Street. I've done it with my kids and, you know, clapped on the competitors, whether they are the the families or those guys who have been out on the, you know, 120K ride. It's such a great atmosphere. And then obviously all leading back into the park for the festival at the end of that. It's such a, a great celebration of community and also, you know, being active, which I think is so important, such a great element of this event. Yeah, and and look, part of that was trying to also work in, I guess, with Wagga Wagga City Council and their activation of a whole heap of cycle paths around Wagga. So there was a link to that. There was a link to the development of Pomigalana. So for people who don't know what that is, it's a really quite large mountain bike centre here that we have with wonderful mountain bike tracks. Wagga Wagga has, has secured a lot of funding for the development of that particular site. We've got this incredible cycle culture in Wagga. So it was drawing all of those things together, I suppose, and creating now this, this festival that could attract people to Wagga for cycling specific events. That's where the growth is, I think, in the future for us. Oh, absolutely. So I guess on that, what do you think is one of the drivers of the popularity of, I guess, cycle events, but also cycling, you know, in lockdown during COVID here in New South Wales anyway, I know bike shops, (laughs) which I think bike shops across the country, we're just selling out of bikes and it's obviously become a great thing to do or people have rediscovered it, I guess, especially during this crazy year. So, yeah, what are you seeing from your side? Because you are a cycler as well. So, I guess, what are you seeing? I suppose um, pre-COVID, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the the generations are like, I'm obviously a baby boomer, so I'm 60 plus years of age. But the younger generations that are coming up are coming out of a really heavy sporting culture. So, they've played their football, they've played their netball, they've played their soccer, they've um, played their basketball, et cetera. And as they're transitioning out of those types of sports, you know, they're transitioning into cycling, into running, into going to the gym, a whole gamut of different things, golf, et cetera, has had a really big resurgence mm-hmm. as well because younger people seem to be a lot more active, let's say, than perhaps people were in my day. Yes. Um, so cycling has had a natural progression, a natural growth from that. But it's also leveraging off the back of how massive cycling has become as a spectator sport. You know, the Latour is a prime example of that. So out of that has grown a massive number of cycle events. From our perspective, to make our cycle event successful, we had to differentiate ourselves, I guess, from all the other cycle events that were out there. But I think we were in the right place, right time, and we were leveraging off all of these changes. Yeah, Um, I agree. People being active, you know, we can go on then and talk about COVID and, you know, I just spoke about mums and dads and children and, you know, when we went into lockdown and COVID, Mum and Dad had to entertain the kids. <laughs> to get them wow. out of the house in some well, safe they way. <laughs> they did, didn't they? Like yeah. They did have to get them out of the house. And again, to see that resurgence of cycling, something, you know, we all got too fearful to put a child on a bike on a road. Mm. And, 
you know, we, we're lucky here, again, as I've mentioned in Wagga with the development of cycle paths mm. and cycleways, et cetera, that we've got these off-road environments for younger people to ride on. So there was that type of environment for mums and dads to take their kids out on. And 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 that was wonderful, but it, it wasn't just mums and dads and kids. It was mums and dads themselves. Exactly. You know, buying bikes and saying, yeah. you know, we've we've got to get out. Why don't we try this cycling caper and see what it's all about? And look, it's it's just been brilliant. It's going to be great for cycling going forward, I think. I think so. And look out, Gears and Beers 2021. <laughs> My goodness, you're going to be inundated. But it is great. And I think by then too, Wagga will even be further progressed in terms of that cycling. So that's I think so the, the infrastructure and facilities you'll have will be even yes. more so. So Agreed. I guess that's great. So going back to the Wollandri Rotary Club and I guess them being the organisation behind Gears and Beers, we should say that the Rotary Club also have had experience with another major event. They organise the um, Wagga Food and Wine Festival every year and have done for quite a while. So I guess it's not like you came to them with the idea for Gears and Beers and they had no idea what was involved in running a major event. So they were, I guess, fortunate that you'd had that experience and they knew what they were getting into for some extent. But I guess in terms of having that club behind you, you've got 60 to 70 members, as you mentioned. How have you found that in terms of having that um, volunteer base to start with? You know, most, or not most, a lot of events do struggle to get volunteers, retain their volunteers, you know, and have new volunteers come in. So I guess for you being a Rotary Club, you've kind of got that base every year, which I'm guessing is a positive thing. Oh, you can't understate it, in all honesty, Belinda. You just can't understate it because immediately within that one club, having access to 60, 65 people, was fundamental to getting the thing off the ground. Just going back a step and, and talking about the history of the club's involvement in major events, specifically the Food and Wine Festival, the club had had more than 10 years' experience running that event, and that was an event that could attract four or 5,000 people without any problem at all as well. And it involved organising wine producers, food producers, live entertainment and putting on an all-day show for the community and everyone else that came into that particular event from the local area. We'd also invested heavily in the infrastructure of that, in buying infrastructure, creating, building, making infrastructure as well that assisted us to set up a festival. So when Gears and Beers came along, yes, it was it was almost like an extension of what we did for food and wine. Not only that, though, fundamentally, the people within the club had already taken responsibility for certain areas of setting up a festival or certain areas of organising festivals. So those people were just quick to put their hands up and say, oh, geez, I've done that for the last 10 years. Yeah, I can do that for years and business. That's easy, right? Eh? No Amazing. worries. That's part of why we managed to get the first one up in 10 weeks. Some of the club members just came to us and said, yeah, we can do that. That's all right. And what do you want? Just let's <laughs> let's get it done. And that can-do attitude is amazing. Now, that was okay for the first year. When you get to 3,000 people and four or 5,000 people in a festival, so you're almost running two components on, on the one day. You've got this massive number of bike rides going on and then you've got people setting up a festival at exactly the same time. We're lucky because Wagga has six-odd rotary clubs. So we could then go out to the other rotary clubs and say, can you come and help us? Go to the Apex Club and say, 
can you come and help us? We went to Coolerman Rotary Club and said, can you come and help us? We we need a hand. And and then 2019, we ended up with, I don't know, 140, 150 people working on the event. Wow. And, and they're some, all volunteers. All volunteers. And some yeah. of those, your members, you know, partners help as well, don't they? Sure. You know, you see, you see the wives or the, you know, girlfriends out there as well. Yep. And I guess, as you said, it is a two-pronged event and quite different. So whilst you've got the festival, which is kind of contained in a festival site, your rides are going, you know, they're, they're 120 k's away. So as you said, you're pulling on Coolerman, which is a little town about 30 minutes from Wagga. So you're relying on these people then to go and set up and, you know, be marshals and do what they need to do to ensure the safety of the riders and, you know, everyone yeah. else. So it's a big task. Like it's huge. <laughs> it, it is, isn't it? It's amazing how refreshing it is when you take an idea to somebody and they just say, just give it to us and we'll fix it, okay, and we'll run with it. And I'm not being flippant about that, but that Coolerman Rotary Club fed everybody who rode on the Dirty 130 and the 110K bike ride on the road. They fed all of those people. We, I, I didn't even know what was going on out there, I'll be honest. <laughs> Wow. Um, but they just took the responsibility. They got the school, the high school involved in baking Anzac biscuits. And I, I couldn't tell you how many thousands of Anzac biscuits they bake. But it's part of their community now. That, that This event might run out of here. It might start here. It might finish here. But it's part of their community as well. They know that on that long weekend in October, hundreds of people are going to come through. Well, not hundreds, thousands. Thousands. <laughs> are going to come through their town. They want people to get a great impression of Coolerman because so many of these people, Belinda, are from all over Australia now. You know, when, you, when you're when you drawing three-odd thousand people that are all cycle enthusiasts, they come from everywhere. And the Coolerman community wants them to go back and visit Coolerman. You know, we know for a fact that these people will stay in the area. Quite a lot of them will stay in the area for multiple days. They don't just come for the one day. So it's it's just refreshing when you can sell an idea to somebody and people just put up their hands and say, just leave it with us, we'll fix it. So refreshing. Mm-hmm. Yes, a can-do attitude. That's, yep. yeah, amazing. And I think the power of having those service clubs. And as you said, community is at the heart of this event and I think it's such a brilliant fit with your organisation. So So well done to all of those service clubs. Now, you've just touched on it, but let's talk about the, I guess, the effects of this event in particular on a place like Wagga on the October long weekend. So you get people coming from all over the country now. So you st- what started as a pretty localised, you know, event in that first of a year that you had 10 weeks to organise. You now are marketing this 12 months. So you're literally marketing the next one as soon as this, or, you know, whilst this one's still going. Your registrations are selling out well, you know, well, well in advance. So can you talk to us a little bit, I guess, the marketing side and also who are you bringing into the, the city for this event? I'll start with who we're bringing in, I guess, to the event. The attraction of this event, I suppose, is mainly being driven into the metropolitan areas. So the three major metropolitan areas for us would be Sydney, Canberra and Melbourne. So a lot of our marketing is targeted into those areas. But over and above that, you know, we've had people participate in the event from all over the country. So it is not unusual for quite a large number of people to come out of Queensland people from South Australia to attend. We've had people from New Zealand. I'm not lying. We've had 
people from the UK, but, you know, he just happened to be working in Hong Kong and he had mates riding from Canberra, so he flew down for the weekend. <laughs> As, As you, you do. do. <laughs> Probably some sort of corporate banker. But <laughs> Hey, uh, that would look good for your stats. Yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> made it, he made it onto the front page of the Daily Advertiser, oh, actually. There you go. <laughs> um, so someone just randomly walked up and said, where are you from? And he said, London. Go figure. But look, it, it, it has that sort of attraction. And why does it have that attraction? Because the Riverina at that time of the year is really quite spectacular. Sure, it's not in the League of France and <laughs> and it's not in the League of the mountainous areas that we have in Australia either, the Snowy Mountains or the northeast of Victoria, where lots of these people would normally go to ride. But as you would know, October in Wagga is beautiful. The canola, the colours the waddle, et cetera, it is pretty spectacular. And when you can get out onto those laneways, et cetera, you know, it, it is a bit of a sight to behold. Then the rest of it comes down to the sort of challenges that you throw at people out there, and we can talk about that in a moment. But from a marketing perspective, okay, we've talked about Rotary Club and the Rotary Club underpinning this event, but it was extraordinarily important that we went and teamed and partnered with the right people who could sell the message, I guess, because it was very much about selling the message. It was very much, how do we sell this to people? Word of mouth's a great thing, but as it turned out, images told lots of stories and we were extraordinarily lucky that we attracted a a clientele. Uh, now I'm focusing more particularly on the Dirty 130 here, so the gravel side of riding. There was already an undercurrent there. I talked about Strata Bianchi. We weren't reinventing the wheel. We could see what was happening in America and what was happening in other places around the world. And there was a slow transition to gravel. But remember, we're talking 2014. Mm. Gravel has seriously taken off in 2020. Okay, 2019, 2020. So we were way in advance of what was going on. But the imagery that we captured and we were able to portray to people by telling stories about what was going on out there while this event was on was pretty mind-blowing. And then we've continued to build on the storytelling and we've continued to throw different sectors into the this particular ride that's just blown people away. So 2019, for example, we had people riding around a canola field inside somebody's farm. Now, a lot of these people, like I said, from Sydney, Melbourne and Canberra, and they would never have been in the middle of a farm like this, especially riding their bikes around a wheat field or around a canola, canola field. field. The photographs that got taken out of that, we were extraordinarily lucky to be able to attract Marcosino or better known as Beardy McBeardy to one of our events. And the year that he happened to turn up, we managed to get that event up by, I think, by about seven hours. Within seven hours of running that event, our levy bank had gone under out here. Our North Wagga Road out of town, which we ride on, yes, was underwater. That's right. That's how much water there was that yes. year. So these guys rode, everyone rode in mud and water and some of the photographs were just mind-blowing. That sold the story. And then the, the following year, 
um, we just got a massive influx of people. They had to come and see what this was all about. Yeah, they wanted to be able yeah. to post their own photos like that. And that I think you're right, the imagery associated with your event, it's so amazing and I think it just keeps getting better. Just when you think, no, they can't do any more, they take, you take it to a next level. And I think that's been so important, as you said, that storytelling and you know, we've touched on it in other conversations we've had, but, you know, the everyone who comes here has a story. And it's just, I think you've mentioned the Rotary Club members, they might be, you know, marshalling or walking around having a break and it's they go and have a conversation with just someone sitting on the grass and everyone's got a story about why they're here. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with the really targeted and niche marketing you guys are doing. So you've got to be commended for that because it's really, yeah, it's next level. We've been very, very lucky. We've, we've engaged with, you know, some young people here, some really good friends of Nathan, Liam, who's got angry aunt, et cetera. And their ability to drive the social media side of this has been absolutely and utterly first class. But what makes me the proudest is how these people, these younger people clearly have just um, melded with our Rotary Club and they get the concept of why we're even trying to run this event, but they have a fundamental understanding of gravel riding, They, you know, because they're all bike riders themselves. And they know what people are looking for. They just have this innate ability to just be able to drive the social media and drive the market, drive the right stories and, and just engage with people. Look, I couldn't be more prouder of them. I really couldn't because these are young people and not involved with our Rotary Club other than their involvement with this particular event. But the community service that they put in in respect of this is just top of the tree for a group of younger people. And it's it's been really important for our Rotary Club because, you know, we're made up of a whole heap of older people. <laughs> but it, it's been wonderful to engage with a younger generation who have helped uh, drive this from a social media perspective, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's been so effective. I guess, too, even the stories that can be told pre-Gears and Beers actually starting because you have groups of people that make getting to Wagga or the journey here like a bit of an event in itself, don't you? Like yeah. you have groups of people that meet up somewhere and do a big ride just to come here and then the Gears and Beers is just like the cherry on the top really. It is and, and again, that was something that was just starting I guess, Belinda, it was a movement, a, a bike packing culture that was was there, but it was almost underground, to be honest. And there were some people in Australia who were really, you know, Jesse Carlson and people like this, Sarah Hammond, who they, these people were race to the rock people. They were people who had amazing amounts of experience and this type of riding and you know, the attraction of those people to come here that then took it to the next level and said, well, okay, gears and beers is on, but I don't want to get in my car and drive there. I'm going to, I'm going to ride my bike there. So suddenly we had all these transfer rides coming out of Sydney and Canberra and Melbourne, people who were taking four or five days to ride to Wagga for that weekend. They turn up in the park on a Saturday afternoon when 
you know, we've effectively created another festival on the Saturday afternoon, haven't we, really? You sure have. When, when we um, <laughs> do the sort of rider bag pickup and that sort of thing, they were all coming in from these rides and they'd been riding for days to get there. And then they all front up the next day and ride 130 k's <laughs> just for the fun of it. It, it was mind-blowing. It, it was mind-blowing, but it was extraordinary that we had tapped into that culture and – Again, these people were doing this sort of thing way in advance now of, of where people are at with bike packing right now. So you go online now and try and buy a bag for bike packing. You can't buy one. People, That's people crazy. have realized that this is, this is really, really good fun. And mind you, everybody's bought the bags, but they can't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> riding around the block. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah but I look forward to even seeing where, you know, those aspects of the festival go in the future because I think that, yeah, they in itself and the stories behind them are, are so exciting. We're going to get on to this year and what happened with 2020, but I guess up to then, what have been some of your biggest challenges? The biggest challenge has been managing the event growth the growth in the number of riders and the growth in the number of people participating at the festival and then trying to stay trying to stay really true to as i said earlier you know we took some time to step back and say well what are we what's really at the core of this event and what fundamentally was at the core of the event was that we have to look after the riders it has to be about the riders it doesn't have to be about corporate sponsorship. It, it doesn't have to be about all of those things that can pull and tug at your event. You know, you can get involved in corporate sponsorship and then suddenly other people are making decisions about what they want your event to look like. And that was something that we were adamant, that, we, that was a line we were adamant we didn't want to go down. So the challenge of trying to stay true to the riders and trying to stay true to the people who were supporting the event by taking out a registration and turning up was really, really important to us. And that meant that we had to work harder all the time to come up with different things that they experienced out on the ride, different things that we could put on the sides of the roads that they could see. And, you know, that's where the craziness of Dead Camel Lane came from, for goodness sake, and Starvation Lane and all of this sort of stuff. And people are going, what are, what are these people on about? <laughs> but the stories around that and how that got sold, that's staying true to that. So then managing the expectations of people in the festival, trying to – you know, at one stage we were getting concerned that the festival was starting to turn into a rock concert instead of a chilled out chilled, environment yes. that it was the very, very first year that we had it. So we dumbed the music right down. It was acoustic, laid back, chilled music in the park, not in your face because people wanted to tell stories about what they just experienced. And it was about people having the ability to sit around underneath the tree, have a couple of beers. Um, I can't believe how much these people can drink now after they've ridden 130K. Far out they can drink and not be intoxicated. It's just amazing. But that's dehydration for you, I guess. But that that ability to sit around under the tree and just chat and talk and say, how stupid was that? Why did you do that? How funny was that? And how good was that? dead camel lane with that couch up there and the Persian rug and, the, yes. and yes. the light and, oh, oh, that's right, Mike Tomolaris was sitting on the couch. 
Go figure. Yes. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah, that was. Um, that's the sort of stuff that then people, then that led on to the, you know, again, just that was a massive feed of social media. Yep. Okay. Because yep. people were stopping and they were jumping on the couch with Mike and taking Instagram photos and posting yeah. them and, and all of that sort of stuff. And then people who didn't come to the event were looking at this stuff and going, what's going on here? We've you missed know? out. <laughs> yeah. So all of that, that. That was, I guess that was part of the challenge for 2019 and it's something that we have to continually address each year as we go So forward. keeping it fresh and I guess yeah. as you said, mixing up because probably that's something that anyone who goes to any type of event, you don't want to go back and have the same experience. You want to create new memories and, you know, new experiences. So I guess that is a challenge for everyone but in particular you guys and the elements you're working with. You've got the two different types of event in one day. So even la- yeah, last year, 2019, you changing the placement of some of the things within the festival site, for example. You know, that's great just to mix things up so people can't just think, oh, well, that's where the food is, so I'll just go there. It's like, oh, no, it's moved. I think that's great to be able to add that different element each year and keep people guessing and, yeah, yeah keep them wondering what's going to happen. That's right. It is about keeping it fresh and and. Again, here, you know, we are very lucky. We've got a progressive council and that, that council is now working on a major event space for our city. Now, you know, if, if they're good enough and they come up with the right venue, the right structure, they've got the venue. The venue's sensational. Sure, it'll come out of Victory Memorial Gardens and myself, more than anyone, I think, will be apprehensive about that. The concept that I like about the Victory Memorial Gardens and where we start and finish this ride is that it's right in the main street of our city. It's it's right in that municipal precinct that, you know, if you've never been here and never experienced it, it is beautiful on a Sunday morning of this event when the sun's coming up. It is a beautiful precinct and we start on that bridge over the Wollundjeri Lagoon. It's, um, it's just spectacular. So I'm going to find that personally very <laughs> difficult when when and if we move. Yes, yeah. Um but like you said, it's about keeping an open mind and keeping fresh ideas coming all the time. If that venue means that we can supply better food, better breweries or better services for those people to be able to provide their services to the participants of the event, then that's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. And you know, that's down beside the river. It's pretty damn good down there as well, isn't it? Yeah. You're right. We might just need to get some of the trees to grow because as yeah. you said, it's just, it's a beautiful surrounds in the Victory Memorial Gardens. Yeah. But, you know, I think you guys will continue to create new experiences, which is great. So let's move on to this year's event. So it's coming up when we're recording this now, just before the long weekend. So you would be get all set. We would not be talking under normal circumstances because you wouldn't be sleeping um, and you certainly wouldn't have the time to talk to me. So can you tell us a little bit about the decision not to proceed with the 2020 event, which you guys made back in July? Yeah, fundamentally it was a, in hindsight now, looking back at it, because it, it is a little way back now when we made that decision. We were watching what was happening on a day-to-day basis. We were continuing with our planning and then we started to adapt our planning to sort of try and build in COVID regulations, et cetera, and requirements. And, you know, I, I, I won't shy away from the fact that that was pretty onerous, especially when we're talking about such large numbers of people and just trying to work out how logistically we could make it work was really, really difficult. But mm. We were meeting on a regular basis and trying to work our way through that. We were staying very, very close or staying in touch through a conduit 
with Destinations, New South Wales and Destinations River in Murray, we had a bit of a conduit backwards and forwards between the Denny Ute Muster crew and ourselves. And so we were watching very closely what they were doing. Mind you, their events on a much bigger scale than ours. It is, but it is on the same weekend. So exactly I guess that's same, why it's great that you right. could, you know, keep yeah. an eye out and see what was each uh, other were doing. That's correct. And fundamentally, that was, a, that was what it was about. It was about a timing thing, mm. I suppose. We had to draw a line in the sand. We knew those guys had drawn a line in the sand and said, "Look, we're going to we'll go to this date, and and if it doesn't look like it's going to be good, then we're going to have to say no, and pull the pin." and And so we stayed very, very close to them. We were watching what was happening, especially in Victoria. And given that you know nearly a third of our participants come out of Victoria by this stage, the border was closed, etc., and um, it wasn't looking good at all for this weekend coming up, for the long weekend coming up. We also had to take the community, you know, we've already talked about the community being at the centre of all of this and we're a community organisation and here we were looking at pulling, you know, two and a half thousand people that are not part of our community into our community for a weekend from all over the country. It just didn't feel right. We would have, as a Rotary Club, Myself personally, I would have hated to have been responsible for, you know, bringing the virus into the city and then us having ongoing issues from that into the future. So I think as a Rotary Club, we sat down and we had a discussion about it and our committee then took that to our Rotary board and said, look, this is our recommendation. And our board backed us. We were watching again, Denny, very, very closely, and pretty much we all made the call on the same, on the same day. day. Yeah. And you guys also were working closely with, I know, our local state member, Dr. Joe McGurr, so he happens to also be a doctor, but also you had a contact at Murrumbidgee Local Health District, didn't you, just to help, you know, yeah, I we, guess work through the process. That's, that's correct. We had it, We was working very, very closely, staying in close contact with an incident controller based out of the Wagga Base Hospital, the referral hospital, and look, she was responsible for what was going on down on the border at Albury-Wodonga, and she was keeping a really close contact with us and, you know, the phone calls backwards and forwards were really good about, okay, where you're at, where are you at, Phil? You know, what's your thinking right now? This is where I'm feeling things are at. This is what I think is going to happen in the next number of weeks or, or the next month or so. You know, and we would have a conversation about it. And I guess it was more about information. It was about gathering as much information as you possibly could so that if you were going to make a call, that call was the right call to make. And so having access to her, having access to Joe McGurr, our local member, as you said, he's a doctor as well. So I was getting both sides of it. I was getting the community aspect and how Joe felt about the community involvement and also about the medical side of it and what the implications, ramifications could have been if we had tried to progress, okay, and put something on. So all of that, combining all of that information together, it does make it a little bit easier to make a decision in the long run. Yeah, you were certainly well informed and I, you know, hindsight's great, but I think you've, well, you have made the right call because, you know, as we talk, Victoria, the border's still shut, as are many other borders. So I think it would have been a very different ride, but yeah, he's hoping 2021 is, you know, so I guess on that, are you, have you already started planning or are you having a little break? (laughs) I'm having a break. (laughs) Good on you. (laughs) I must admit, having a bit of a break and having a bit of a refresh 
it'll be really interesting because I, at exactly the same time, though, I'm looking forward to coming back into it again and just seeing where everyone's mindset's at. Because I think the event for 2021 could become even more important, Belinda, than it's ever been. Not not as an event per se or not as a vehicle to raise funds that we can donate away to charitable organisations, but more as more as an event to pull your community back together again or to give something, give give people something to look forward to for 2021. Let's just get this 2020 out of here and let's all be really super sensible about how we do that. And, you know, fundamentally, we're, we're very, very lucky in Australia. We're so super lucky that – you know, we do have governments, we have people in positions of responsibility who are making logical decisions about things. Let's not talk about politics, but we're very, very lucky. So at least we've got something to look forward to that's positive. And I think Gears and Beers is going to play a really big role in that in the second half of 2021. Yeah, I agree completely. I think 2021's looking promising, promising and we're excited for what lies ahead. So just a couple more questions before we wrap. What are some of the most rewarding things to come out of this event for both a community perspective and also from a personal perspective for you? The rewarding aspects out of it is helping people. The money that's raised, as I just said a moment ago, is is donated away to charitable organisations. Are you able to talk to that? Like, are you comfortable talking about how much you're actually giving back each year? Because it's not we're not talking small amounts here. We're talking really large amounts that your event is giving back to the community each year. Yeah, look, all the rider registration, all the money that comes into rider registrations is given away to charity. So. Last year, it was about $204,000 came in as rider registrations and that was all just given straight away to charity. The donations that we get or the the sponsorship or the support we get from people like Destinations New South Wales, usually all of Destinations New South Wales money goes into advertising the event or goes into marketing Mm. the event and, and running the event. You know, the support the council has given us in the past is, is done likewise. It's, it's that support plus the support of our local sponsors, which is, you know, for all intents and purposes is on the smaller end. We've never gone to people in our local community and said, you know, we want 15 or 20 or $25,000. The highest sponsorship you can have is five grand. Yeah. And a lot of local sponsors are really happy to go to that level or smaller. Like you can give us 500 bucks and we'll <laughs> spend it, don't worry. But all of that money goes to sort of putting on the event, mm. running the event, mm. and then everything else, all the rider registrations we, we give away. That's so amazing. It, it's, yeah, yeah, there's been a fair bit raised over those those years for sure to give away. Right. And what about from a personal perspective? What have you taken from Gears and Beers? Because I guess something to remember is you're not normally working in the event space. You run a law firm. <laughs> it's your proper job. So you've literally picked this up as something as to do whilst you were, you know, president and you've continued it on. So I, I'm guessing, you know, Events are now running through your blood (laughs) and you probably can't shake them too easily, I'm guessing, because that's what happens to most people. So, yeah, what keeps you going year after year? 
I liken it to having a baby, I suppose, in some respects, isn't it, really? Yeah. Because it is your baby to yes. a certain extent. I love seeing people in that park having fun. I, I really do. And I love the opportunity to just go and talk to people and find out where they're from and listen to their stories and, you know, why on earth are here you know, I did that last year. I can remember walking up to this couple. They looked absolutely destroyed and they were sitting leaning against a tree on their own. There was just the two of them and and that turned out to be a husband and wife and they'd driven all the way from Ipswich oh, wow. in um, Queensland and they'd driven down here and they rode the ride and they were sitting under the tree having a beer and um, just to go and have a chat to them was was absolutely wonderful. Just to meet people and talk to people and see how much fun they have that's the personal side of it. To see the feedback you get from people that's unsolicited feedback, it's it's people posting on those social media sites just saying, wow, that was a great event. Just love the community spirit. Just we're coming back and we're bringing 10 people with us next year. When you see that, you think, ah, oh, yeah, well, it was. it's all worth it. We'll and go around again. We'll go around again. <laughs> yeah, all those Sundays at work make it it worthwhile, I suppose. But that's the personal side of it. Just seeing so many people have so much fun, the ability to know that you're making money for the or you're raising money that can be given away to people who are less fortunate and and meeting people. And look, I'll be really honest, it's it's given me the opportunity to meet people because the events attracted these people, these, you know, higher profile people, let's say, from all over the place. I've met people that I would never have met, but they're ringing up saying, hey, you know, I'm supposed to know everything everything about cycling in Australia and I know nothing about this event, but I'm (laughs) sick and tired of everyone talking about it. Can I come? And when things like that happen... Yeah, that's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. So where two for gears and beers. I know you're having a little rest at the moment. And I th- as you said, I think if anything, if we can take some good out of this year, it's probably a great chance for everyone to reflect on whatever event or festival they're working on and yeah, see what, what can be done. But where would you like to see the event go? Like, where do you see it in five years time, for example? Again, going back to the investment that's coming into Wagga around cycling. Look, I, I can see the event over the next couple of years, certainly growing into a three-day festival of cycling event and then maybe leading on from that, who knows, you know, we could end up with a week of cycling events here in the city around that particular weekend and the week following. That's where I would love to see it. You know, you, you go back and historically you look at other events across the country where they start off like something like this and then they just they just grow and they grow and eventually they grow to a size where, hey, we better get pretty serious about this. <laughs> um, and that's when you need to draw on resources, I guess, that are at a much higher level and people who are much used to running in that event space at a really professional level. Like you said, this is all done voluntarily at this stage, but – you know, Wagga as a community needs to look at the event and it needs to hang on to the event and it needs to protect the event because, you know, it generates such a large amount of money into this city on that particular weekend. And we've got a basis there to grow on now, Belinda. We need to continue to grow on that. And people who have got responsibility for making decisions that help things like that happen need to now start to step up and say, okay, we need to put our hands up and help this go to the next level. 
So I, I think that's where I see it going. And if, if it continues to go that way, we've got this massive infrastructure investment being driven in, in Wagga around cycling. So the two should marry up. You know, we should be attracting major, major cycling championships events on that particular week into the city as well. So they all dovetail off the back of gears and beers. Oh, so exciting. And look, you guys might be volunteers, but you're very professional. We will just say, you know, honestly, doing an amazing job. So, so congratulations. Before we get into the wrap up questions, anything else that we haven't covered? You know, I, I can only, I can only continue to reiterate the fact that it's, community is really at the heart of it all. And the support that we've got from the local community for this event, it was that local community that supported us in the first instance. You can't make things happen like this without these extraordinary brewers that come from all over the place that we've gone out and said, look, would you come to our event? You know, we've got a full-blown craft beer festival happening here at the conclusion of this. They're all independent brewers. They're all guys that brew their own beer. And they're just, the support they give us is wonderful. So not having to fight to get those people here is really, really good as well. And, you know, I, again, I can't understate the value that they contribute to the event. I can talk about cycling until the cows come home. But from a festival perspective, it's the professionalism that they bring to the event as well. They're all really great operators. They really are. And they love the event because they love the people that it attracts. I can't understate the value of the members of the Rotary Clubs that get involved and how much they engage with these people that come and visit our city. People do go away with a genuine sense of, wow, that is a great community. They really get behind their events and and they're all just down-to-earth people just having fun, you know, as long as people go away with a lasting impression of Wagga like that, they'll come back. Yeah. And you've done your job. Well said. That was great. All right. So just some behind the scenes questions to wrap up. Quick fire questions. What was the last event you went to? Um, a bit strange it, this year, I understand. Yeah, a bit strange this year. It would have been the Lost Lanes event, which was a, a virtual, virtual event. A virtual event here in Wagga. Yeah, it's usually just in the laneway at the back here, it, through the window. It is. That I can see. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was. That around, was what, June? June? June, yeah. It was around the fire bucket in the backyard at home. Oh, sounds great. What's your favourite event you've been to? 2019 Kiss <laughs> Of course. <laughs> Why did I ask? Yeah, no, that was a cracker. That okay. was a dead set cracker. Which event is on your bucket list? Uh, Latour. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, maybe not next year, maybe 2022. Maybe 2022. Yeah, let's yeah. Let them open up. Glastonbury or the Super Bowl? Uh, Super Bowl for me. Yep. Great. And your favorite thing about the festivals and events industry? Uh, maybe two things. I think maybe it's it's an ever-changing scene, ever-changing environment and and I think the passion that people who run those events come with or bring to those events. I, I think that would be my favourite thing about those festivals or, or the favourite thing about me looking in on those festivals from outside as being someone who, you know, participates in that sort of area as well. I just, I love the passion that people bring to it and and I love that it changes all the time. It's an ever-evolving environment. 
Yeah, yeah I agree. And I think even more so we're going to yeah. see that <laughs> moving we, forward. We will. yeah, for yeah, sure. Which is great. Look, thank you so much, Phil. This is the second time we've recorded this, so I am so <laughs> grateful. And all the best. Have a well-earned break. And we look forward to Gears and Beers 2021. And I will put links to the event and your social media in the show notes of the podcast. So thank you so much. Pleasure, Blender. Thank you for listening to the Eventualities podcast. Subscribe for future episodes and the best way you can support us is by leaving a review which helps others find the podcast. 